Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast, your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, and profiles of people leading on climate in local communities across the country. It's the Eco Right Speaks podcast, brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. And now, here's your host, Chelsea Henderson. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks, your climate-focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson, back in the hot seat to kick off season eight of our show. Thank you, longtime listeners, for your patience while we took a break for the holidays and then took our time compiling a good roster of initial guests, many requested by you, our listeners, for the upcoming season. I am excited to bring you many new voices and probably some old favorites, too, because I just can't help myself. Today's special guest is Nathan Crabb, editor of The Invading Sea, a website featuring news, commentary, and educational content about climate change and other environmental issues affecting the state of Florida. The website, which was founded in 2018 as a collaboration among the editorial boards of the Miami Herald, Palm Beach Post, and Sun Sentinel, with Miami-based public radio station WLRN serving as a news partner, is managed by Florida Atlantic University's Center for Environmental Studies. Listeners, many an eco-writer has been published by The Invading Sea, and we are happy to have this working relationship with them and with Nathan. So, without further ado, Season 8 of The Eco-Write Speaks starts now. Welcome back, listeners. I am so excited to be in conversation today with someone we have not yet had on the show. I don't know why. Nathan Crabb, the editor of The Invading Sea. Nathan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. How is it in sunny Florida today, day of recording? You know, it's sunny, I guess. Sunny, <laughs> sunny as Great always. Question. I'm from up, up north, so you know, I'm I'm always happy to not be shoveling snow, that's for sure. Yeah, well, uh, we're in the 30s here in the D.C. area, and it's, yeah, I like myself some winter, but it's starting to get a little chilly. Um, But when winter is awry or goes wrong, I always think this is what we're in for with climate change. So, you know, our listeners are, uh, I would say our listeners, our readers who are also listeners are probably very aware of the invading sea because we have been so lucky to provide um, contributors to your efforts to spread the word on climate change. So for those who are new to the Invading Sea, how did this project come about? Well, yeah, first off, I, I did want to thank uh, RepublicEN.org for all the great pieces that, that folks with the group have submitted uh, over, over over the years. Um, yeah, the, the project originally came, came about back in 2018, and basically the opinion editors of the major um, uh, South Florida papers, the Miami Herald, the uh, Sun Sentinel in Fort Lauderdale and the Palm Beach Post, along with the public radio station down there, WLRN. Basically, they said, hey, climate change is such a huge problem that we're going to put aside our competitive um, uh, differences and uh, and work together to, to, to um, uh, share opinion pieces on climate change. And, uh, and thus, the Invading Sea was born. It expanded from there, basically statewide. And, you know, the, the name the Invading Sea obviously suggests 
sea level rise was a major focus because obviously down in South Florida, that's a huge concern. But as it expanded statewide, um, uh, other concerns, other climate related concerns um, kind of entered the fold as well. Um, you know, obviously in inland Gainesville, um, uh, sea level rise isn't as big of a concern as in Miami. So extreme heat and all these other climate related issues um, became um, became a concern as well. So the, 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 the basically the um, uh, we now have 27 uh, newspapers as, as part of the group. And, and the way that it works is that, you know, you get a piece published on the invading sea and we share it with um, all these other publications in Florida as well. So, so it kind of uh, allows the opportunity to amplify your message. If you're, if you're wanting to get a message out there about climate change and, um, and it, it works both ways when these papers publish pieces on climate related issues, we'll, we'll put them on the invading sea website um, and, uh, and also send them out to all the papers that didn't publish them. So the idea out there is that climate change is such a huge issue affecting Florida. We want to spread the word as much as possible. Well, one thing I think that's really interesting about that is the collaboration aspect, because as you know, um, working in journalism, and as we know, on the um, on the content development side, people are very exclusive, right? They want exclusive rights to your pieces. And so it can be competitive. And so it's really interesting to me that now you have these 27 different media outlets that are collaborating because it doesn't matter who um, printed the message first or who who got the messenger first. It really matters that you're disseminating that message far and wide. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that these uh, in, in climate related issues and all environmental issues really are so important that I think I'm I'm glad that people have put aside those those the, that competition aspect of things. Um, you know, I think that the environmental groups and and, and folks that um, care about these issues want their message to be as 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 disseminated disseminated as widely as possible and um you know the thing is people are for the most part you know they're writing these pieces um um out of their own you know on their own time um and and i'm so i think that you know we should all be happy to share these pieces that people are putting so much effort into that are basically giving us content with uh with each other well and florida is also you know it's such an interesting state because front lines, climate change impacts. Most people, as you had just noted, aware of um, threats of sea level rise. Obviously, you know, we don't get through a hurricane season anymore without at least the threat of of a big storm coming your way. But there are other impacts, too. And, um, you know, things can happen that impact, for example, the um, orange growing season or, you know, an early frost or a late frost or, you know, farmers are used to dealing with, with weather abnormalities, but when they become consistent and become a trend, you know, it can impact crops, it can impact a lot of things. So you have a state whose economy is really, you know, relies on tourism, relies on, on ag and, and these industries that are very, um, that bear a lot of climate risk. Yeah. And so you have a state with a lot of impact potential or impacts that are that are undergoing, but also politically a little more conservative. So, right. you know, you're not California or New York where a state states that are, you know, embracing more kind of statewide action. So having the opportunity, at least for I know us and we are not the only conservative voices that um, publish with you, giving them a place to. Uh, throw out their conservative solutions to climate change is really, really important if you're going to get the buy-in from the policymakers in your state. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, I think that um, Florida, um, you know, uh, I, uh, the invading sea is is managed by the um, uh, Center for Environmental Studies at Florida Atlantic 
University. And the, the, the center has done a uh, survey twice a year for the last several years on attitudes about climate change and opinions about climate change. And it's actually found that in Florida, belief in climate change and, and support for climate solutions is higher than in some other places in the country. And I think it's exactly for the reasons that you stated is that we feel these impacts very directly, hurricane season being the best example of that. But in the last year, obviously, you know, they, the, the, the sunshine that you mentioned before that draws to people uh, to Florida also has it has a dark side with the extreme heat that's happened. Um, you know, uh, Price Atkinson from RepublicEN.org <laughs> just wrote a piece for us talking about Disney and, and the effect of how many people during the record heat of, of last summer um you know, had had medical problems as a result yeah. of that. So, so we're feeling very directly and very literally the uh, impacts of of climate change here. So, I think it does create a bit bit of a different political dynamic than in, in some other uh, conservative states in the country. And, and in fact, you know, there 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 might be some uh, debate still about some of the solutions to climate change. But in terms of our state legislature, they've dedicated a tremendous amount of money over the last several years to resiliency measures, coastal uh, hardening type measures, and you know, I think that. That there's, if there's one thing that you can't deny is that the flooding is is increasing, and that there, so, and as sea levels rise, something needs to be done about that. So, if if nothing else, there's there's kind of a political consensus that that those types of measures should be supported. So, Nathan, do you um, actively seek out um, contributions to the invading sea, as in uh, co- content um, pieces, or? Do you just have a flood of people emailing you on the daily offering up their potential op-eds? You know, a little bit of both. I mean, there there is a steady stream from folks, and there's a, you know the, uh, environmental groups that are very good at at at, um, mm-hmm. at submitting op-eds. So, but you know, quite frankly, uh, uh, the vast majority of the op-eds that are submitted to to the invading sea come from people that are more of a um, a left of center perspective, if you mm-hmm. will. So, I do have to do a little bit more of an effort to kind of try to broaden the amount of perspectives that are available. So that's why I think it's really valuable to um to to speak to groups and to reach out to groups on the eco right because I think that 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 their messages are are sometimes missing from this debate and i i want to try to have them the this the all the messages all the the viewpoints that i can included in this so i try to reach out to groups um like republic en and some of the other um right of center groups in, in the hopes that that we can have a broad discussion on these issues and do you prefer your pieces to have a florida angle or can they take a national approach we're pretty Florida centric. I mean, they, they certainly can. I'm not opposed to things that take a national approach, but I think there are enough climate related issues in Florida or a Florida angle to, to, to most any piece. I mean, when you're writing about extreme heat, when you're writing about extreme weather, um, all these kind of issues that are climate related, I think that they're, that it's pretty easy to, to, to find a Florida angle to those. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're writing about legislation, even if it's national legislation, you can certainly include how Florida lawmakers, um, are, are acting on that legislation. So I'd be open to other pieces that are, that are more national. But if, if, if at all possible, we like pieces to have a Florida angle. You're listening to the Eco Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Download, listen, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now, back to this week's episode. I am a never read the comments kind of person um, just because I like to maintain some semblance of sanity, but do you have, um, you know, not, I, I mean, trolls is such a terrible word, but do you ever see people kind of coming to your site and like commenting on pieces in a way that isn't necessarily productive, or maybe you don't even allow that? 
We allow comments on pieces, mm-hmm. and certainly, you know, there you can't avoid trolls in the internet, and and there yeah. are pe- people that want to take pot shots rather than than being part of the dialogue. But I found yeah. most people um, that come to our site are at least, you know, I, I think that this is this. I would say this about about the climate conversation is that people that are engaged in it, there 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 might have differences of opinion on the solutions, and they might not think the Green New Deal is a good idea or or, or this sort of thing. But I think that we're if if you're coming to the site looking for things about climate change, you're at least uh, the the perspective of, you know, this is happening. This is something that I should be concerned about. So most of the people that I think come to our site and interact with me online, they might disagree on the solutions, but I think what we, we can at least agree that this is a problem that needs yeah. to be dealt with. Have you been approached by other, by media outlets in other states that want to replicate this project? Gosh, no, no, I haven't. And, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, I think it's no mystery or no secret that, um, that the, uh, journalism industry and specifically newspapers haven't, haven't been doing so hot in, in the last several years. I worked for newspapers for a number of years. I was with the Gainesville Sun newspaper before coming to the invading sea. Um, so there is a, um, increasing, um, amount of newspapers that are, that are engaged in collaboration, that are, that are looking for nonprofit, um, entities to kind of supplement some of the reporting that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in my understanding, in my, my knowledge, there's not a whole lot of opinion sharing, um, uh, uh, collaborations going on. I think it is something that could be rep- replicated elsewhere. So if there's folks out there that want to do it elsewhere, um, I'd be happy to talk with them about hint, it. Hint, I can, I can connect <laughs> you. <laughs> um, if somebody is interested in submitting a piece, like what are, what are your parameters that you're looking for before you, um, republish something? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I think you, you, you already, we already discussed one, you know, things that are Florida specific that mm-hmm. are what I'm really looking for. Um, you know, I think that shorter rather than longer, quite frankly, mm-hmm. is something <laughs> that I always advise people on. Um, you know, I think 750 is kind of the upper limit, but I even say 600 yeah. words or, or fewer is, is, is better. You know, people have such short attention spans these, these days. And so I think that, that shorter pieces, um, are more effective, more likely to be read all the way through, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, we have, have the standards that, that, that most publications would have in, in terms of things that aren't libelous and, yeah. and, and we want people to get their facts straight and, and, and this sort of thing. But we're really open to, as I said, a variety of perspectives on these issues. Yeah, but many, many years ago when I was um, actually a pretty active blogger on the side, and I remember I had a, a very dedicated reader who was like, you know, I have a piece of advice. I really think you should keep your posts under 400 words. <laughs> and I was like, under 400 words? And then I just, I still keep that metric in mind when I'm helping people write op-eds. A 400-word op-ed would not really fly. That's not enough words, right? But I think that that, I agree with you, that 600 spot is kind of the sweet spot. Longer than that, it starts to feel more like a long-form piece. And you're right, we all have attention spans that are this big. Listeners, I'm making a very, very small (laughs) gesture. So uh, you kind of need to be quick and get to your point. And um, do you like to have, um, do you like them to lean in a little bit on the research side and have, I'm just trying to help if there's somebody out there who's listening who might have a great thing they want to write to you about. Well, I think people, uh, sometimes that the, the climate change stuff can get a little too wonky, a little yeah. too, um, you know, numbers. You know, if, if you're just inundated with numbers and inundated, well, and in fact, inundated with doom and gloom, I think that yeah. uh, solutions-oriented pieces I, I prefer, and I think mm-hmm. readers prefer. I think that the idea that and and you know, and you tell me, you you, you know, I, I'd be interested in hearing your perspective. I've heard in terms of conservative audiences, in particular, some of the doom and gloom stuff tends to turn off those audiences and uh, focusing on solutions, focusing 
things on on like things like um, the jobs that clean energy provides and and uh, you know you know the need to improve our infrastructure and I think that those types of things that that people can agree on are 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 more effective than I mean I think that it's we shouldn't shy away from the consequences of climate change and we should be, be clear about that but if you overwhelm people with with that and and they they lose all hope then I you know I think that it makes it harder to get those solutions implemented. Yeah, I think it's that there's that fine line, right, between wanting to be realistic about the urgency to get to a point of solutions. We don't have a lot of time left to just keep having this back and forth and um, and sort of the stalling that we've seen, at least at the federal level, in terms of coming to a national solution. But at the same time, when you cite the doom and gloom or you make it, we have five years or we have this point of no return or, you know, that doesn't help anybody really. And even I would say is causes harm to the progressive side of the issue too, because if you look at those, the six Americas um, study that, you know, Yale and George Mason do, I think the scariest part isn't the people who are dismissive. I think the scariest part are the people that just aren't doing anything and they're not doing anything for a very variety of reasons, right? We all are busy. We all have our own lives going on, but also sometimes it can just feel overwhelming. And so yeah. if you are carrying with you this idea that we only have, you know, the, the hourglass is tilting, the sands going down, we have very limited time left to act. And it's such a big problem. What can I personally do? And it could feel overwhelming, although recently Mariana Mancuso, one of our biggest contributors to (laughs) your effort, um, wrote the piece about about the personal um, changes that she's made in her life just to make herself feel better. And I think that that's good. It's fine to do that and to to take on things. But people we don't need people to feel overwhelmed. We need people to find what their niche is or what their way that they're going to contribute to the solution side of the problem. I I think you're exactly right. And, you know, personal responsibility has always been kind of a conservative mantra and, and, and things that people can do personally in their own lives, I think is important. Now, certainly there is a policy aspect to all this too, that, that just changing your diet or, or changing out your light bulbs or putting solar panels in your house even isn't going to solve the problem, but you are contributing getting to a solution you are taking uh, responsibility for your own contribution to it so i think i think pieces that kind of weave a, a couple of those elements what can i do personally and maybe it is you know uh, just calling your congressman or something like that but at least giving something to, that, that people can do personally so they don't feel hopeless um, i think is very important Listeners, you can write an opinion piece. Please do. Well, I, <laughs> I, I, I would love for them. I would, you know, yeah. I, please do submit. You know, if uh, I, we we're we're always looking for different perspectives. So please, if anyone is interested in writing writing, I would encourage them to contact me and and and, and submit something. Well, Nathan, I know that we will definitely be uh, contributing, continuing to contribute moving into the future. And I just really appreciate this partnership that we have and your willingness to talk to our listeners today about what you do and how we can together spread the word, at least in Florida. Hint, hint, other states get in on this. This is a really (laughs) great model to follow. So if you're a journalist or you know a journalist or an opinion editor and another, um, at another state's publication, reach out to Nathan. He can help guide you. I appreciate the that. plug, and, <laughs> and I appreciate the work that you're doing. I, you know, I subscribe to your your, your newsletter and and uh, and and follow. And, I, and and again, Mariana and 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 Price and and, and Bob Inglis have all been contributors, and I really have appreciated that. And so, thank you for for everything that you do as well. Well, Nathan, until next time, thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Price 
happy eighth birthday of the Eco Rights Speaks. We are back, baby. We are back. We are back. That's we right. are back. We're back, and we're in like third grade, right? Isn't that what grade you're in when you're eight years old? I think so. That sounds about right. Yeah. Eleven uh, year old that's uh, in fifth grade. So okay. working backwards. Yeah, we're pretty close there. All right. So. Here we are, uh, almost four years into this, and appreciate our listeners letting us take a little bit of an extra break. But, you know, I tried really hard to use that time wisely and come up with some guests guests and guest ideas that are different from what we've done before. So We are loaded, loaded to begin Season 8. That's all I can say. Loaded, Chelsea. I am so excited. And this conversation with Nathan, you know, it's sort of interesting that we haven't had him on the show before because he publishes so many eco-right pieces. He published your piece, listeners, on um, Disney and what that's going to be like to go to Disney with rising heat. And already you're seeing guests impacted by heat waves and so forth. He's published Marion and Mancuso. He's published Bob, like... Many an eco writer have been published in the invading sea. Yeah, my ear, ears perked up when I heard him mention my name. I was surprised. I Very know. surprised. <laughs> Price, Very, you're famous. I'm famous. not famous. Uh, <laughs> one uh, podcasting star, Chelsea Henderson, and one Invading Sea star, uh, Mariana Mancuso, are very famous, including Robert Durden Inglis. But, yeah, I was a little bit surprised. But it is a fantastic partnership that we have with Invading Sea because, as Nathan articulated and explained, you know, we submit pieces to the Invading Sea, and then they have those network and newspapers. So they're trying to cover Florida, and so it's a great place to start. You know, it doesn't really matter where, how it gets, you know, in print form, whether it goes straight to the newspaper or goes from invading sea, then they send it out to their network of papers. It's just the fact that it's getting in publications all across Florida, as we know, ground zero for climate change. Now, Price, you former journalist. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, can you ever really be former? I feel like if you've been a journalist, you're a journalist for life. You always have. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. It's in the instincts, right? The idea yep. that these major papers, the Miami Herald, the Tampa Bay Tribune, and the Sun Sentinel, collaborate on their editorial board, which for listeners, this is peeling the veil back a little bit. Like when you submit an op-ed, they want it to be exclusive. Very yeah. rarely Correct. will a paper be like, yeah, go go publish it elsewhere. It might appear elsewhere in syndicate. So the USA Today, um, the group that owns USA Today, owns a bunch of papers. So if something um, appears in one of their papers, it can appear in any of their papers because they're a conglomerate. But to see that level of collaboration on an opinion page is is pretty rare. And I told Nathan, I think it would be great if other states collaborated in the same way, especially with the tough times that journalism is going through. Yeah, because it it lowers and I don't want to don't want to diminish editorial staffs or anything because they're already small enough as it is but underpaid and overworked (laughs) yeah it consolidates a lot of the work it minimizes a lot of the work for that individual outlet so when you can collaborate you know with other papers on you know editorials but get pieces that are submitted you know basically to a third party but yet are made available it's almost kind of like a wire service in a way yeah is what the invading sea kind of acts as a um editorial um 
you know, climate pieces. They're they're very niche specific, um, but still, it, that's just kind of the way that they are. The invading sea kind of operates to these other outlets is is sort of a wire um, service like AP or what used to be UPI or Reuters, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, well, it's a great. Uh, service for the state of Florida. And I'm so glad we have uh, that relationship with them and great kickoff to the season. Lots more to come listeners. Lots more to come. Yes. A whole lot more to come. Tell some, tell our folks what we have in store for season eight. We're going to talk to a shellfish farmer. We are going to talk to um, a professor who has a lot of expertise in carbon capture and storage out in Wyoming, which is one of the highest coal producing states in the country, maybe the top coal producing state in the country. Um, we have other journalists lined up. Um, you know, I've always got my feelers out to some elected officials, new technologies. Uh, you know, I'm always looking for what is something that folks haven't heard before, and then balancing that with who is a trusted voice who has something new to say. So, you know, there'll be, obviously, we'll have some of our old favorites back on, but it's really exciting to start off the year with some some new voices for our listeners. Yes, it is. Great work and great job and great to be with you again in season eight, and it's great to have some new members that are signing up. We shout them out every yeah. single time. If this is your first time listening, uh, lo and behold, this is the wrap-up segment where we, um, Chelsea and I get to catch up, but we get to tell you what's coming up ahead uh, next week, what's ahead uh, on Season 8, and uh, sign a shout-out to some of our new members who have signed up with us and standing with us at republican.org forward slash join Xander G. in Florida, speaking of, Josh L. in North Carolina, Patricia R. in Illinois, Mark J. in Tennessee, and Denise C. in South Dakota. So we appreciate all of those for standing with us and many others who have stood, decided to stand with us since we podcasted at the end of Season 8, getting ready uh, for Season, or at the end of Season 7, getting ready for Season 8. So... There you go. We would love for you to stand with us if you are not already doing so. Uh, And as our longtime listeners know, but new listeners might not know, we also do a weekly newsletter that goes out over my name. It Some days it's short. Today, there wasn't as much to report. Some days it's longer. You choose what you want to read, but I wrap up the EcoWrite News every Friday. And if you want to get on that mailing list, you do have to um, stand with us and join, as Price has already instructed you to do. Yes, it is the award-winning Climate Week in Review. I'm talking award-winning hyperbole there have been zero awards listeners but price is very kind (laughs) people all over america want the week in review it is really funny when i meet somebody that i've not met in person and they're like i get your newsletter and i'm like oh okay (laughs) and they feel like they know me and i get it i get it i have someone whose newsletter I get, and uh, I feel like I know her probably better than she <laughs> considers me to know her. So, um, yeah, no, this is all really fun. Any way we can get the news to you folks is an important way, and so we're just glad you've stuck with us, and here we are. Like, we would not be in Season 8 if it were not for our listeners. We will be with you all through Season 8, a new episode coming yep. to you on Tuesdays. 
So stand by, get ready. We got a lot of content coming, a lot of interviews. Season eight, we are officially underway and a lot more to come this season, Chelsea. Yep, we will be back in your ears, listener, next Tuesday. Same great channel, same great place. See you then. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast, brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. You can listen to past episodes of the Eco Right Speaks podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And make sure to visit us online to find out how you can sign up to stand with us at republicen.org.